Hello and welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week we'll be breaking down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. So Dana, what are we covering on this episode? Today we are talking about the life of Selena Gomez with our very special guest, astrologer Nadine Jane. Yay! Yay! Thank you for coming on. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, A little about Nadine. Nadine is an astrologer, educator, and author whose goal is to make astrology accessible, healing, and fun to look at. Her work has been featured in outlets like Women's Wear Daily, Good Morning America, Well and Good, Elle, and MTV. So Nadine, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and your big three and maybe how you got into astrology? I would love to. Um, Yeah, I'm Nadine. I am 29 years old, so I Saturn is conjunct my Saturn right now. Oh my God. Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> my big three is um, sun and moon in Aquarius. I was just telling them born a day after a solar eclipse in Aquarius and um, Virgo rising. And um, I got into astrology like many people in a very dark time in my life. I don't think many people search out astrology if they're in a very good place. And I was uh, 20 and I was a graphic designer at the time. And I had known about sun sign astrology as many of us do prior to that. And um, an intern of mine showed me my birth chart and I was just, it was on cafeastrology.com. Oh my God, God. cafeastrology. That's like the OG. It's the OG can read up about all the things and I was just flabbergasted and it was kind of like a drug to me and I just really consumed it like crazy for the next however many years and then um, I ended up uh, starting an Instagram account as many millennials do whenever we think we know something and (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) I just made it for my friends because you know, I was, I think we all, maybe Dana, you played this role, but when you're into astrology, then suddenly you're the go-to person for everyone in your life to ask yeah. you about things. And so I was like, well, I'm a graphic designer. Maybe I'll just take all my knowledge and put it on Instagram for my friends. And then it, about a year later, it ended up turning into a career as many Instagram accounts can do for people, which is such a cool thing. And, um, and yeah, long story short, I've just been doing it professionally for going on five years now. That's awesome. Wow. This is so exciting. So what, what advice would you give to anyone going through that hasn't gone through their Saturn return yet? Maybe what are a couple nuggets you've learned or like advice you might share to people who haven't had the pleasure of going through their Saturn return yet? Um, I think that what I realized was that you just can't rush aging just in the sense of I think I always kind of knew what I was supposed to learn in my Saturn return I think I've noticed that in my clients too of like we all have an intuitive feeling of what the greatest lesson is within our birth chart or the biggest blockage or the biggest whatever holding pattern that we're in and I just kept in therapy and in you know in my own spiritual growth I kept trying to fix all these things that I you know kind of like trying to will myself to change before the age of 29. So I think I would just say like, take every day as it comes and enjoy not being 29. And like, (laughs) you know, you'll meet your maker and like, you'll, you'll have a crazy cool experience and you'll come out the side, out the other side, like a completely different person, depending on how personal your Saturn and Saturn's like crazy for my chart. So a uh, very long-winded way of saying, like, just don't rush it and don't stress about it because I was an astrologer. So I think predicting my Saturn return was so toxic and I wish oh, I had yeah. 
waited for it to happen um, mm-hmm. and not tried to. I, I thought that, for example, I'd get, you know, a chronic illness during my Saturn oh, no. return because it's in my sixth house. When, when I, so things like that, I really regret because it was such a waste of energy. Well, easier said than done, obviously. But it seems like you did experience some growth because you have a new book coming out. I don't know if you would always aspire to be an author, but it's called Magic Days. I've pre-ordered it. I'm so excited to get it. It's a behemoth of a book. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write it? Um, I'm really excited for it. Yes, I'm so excited for it too. Um, so Magic Days is basically an 800-page book. Uh, two Jesus, days. that's incredible. <laughs> when I said a behemoth, I meant it. Yeah, it's uh, two pages for every day of the year. And so you can uh, read it as a daily reader or you can read it as a birthday book. Um, and the the idea behind it is what is the journey behind every day and every birthday of the year as told by the astrology, the numerology and the tarot of that given day. And I was really inspired by, quite frankly, getting a little bit tired of reading transits. Like I was kind of tired of focusing so much on predictive work and the future to the point where I think I got so obsessed with like milestones in both my own life and with using astrology. And the book kind of helps me zoom out and ask the question of like, what is the spiritual journey that we're each on? And what if we were to kind of get out of the minutia of like, okay, Mercury's retrograde and Mars is squaring my little <laughs> life. If we were to get out of that for a second and remember what it is we're each here to figure out, what would that look like? And what would that feel like? And what would that sound like? So it was incredibly uh, exploratory book and way outside of my comfort zone. I'm an astrologer first and foremost, like do not never would have called myself a tarot reader, never would have called myself a numerologist. So it was a total labor of love and like my favorite thing that I've ever done. So I'm super excited about it. That is so awesome. Wow. I can't wait till the poor mailman drops it off on my doorstep, but we're so excited to have you. We got to get into today's topic, which I know we're all excited about. And that is Selena Gomez. Yes. Yes. Love her. So Selena is an American singer, songwriter, actress, producer, entrepreneur, UNICEF ambassador. She literally does it all. She's been in films, produced shows like Only Murders in the Building, which we are big fans of here at Allegedly Astrology, 13 Reasons Why, huge Netflix show, has sold more than 210 million singles worldwide, and has more than 45 billion with a B song streams. (laughs) She's known for being besties with Taylor Swift and having public relationships with Nick Jonas and Justin Bieber. Um, Selena is also an advocate for mental health after being very public about her physical and mental health struggles. Time named her one of the 100 most influential people in the world in 2020. She has a huge following on social media. I think she's the most followed musician and actress on Instagram. She's the most followed. I looked this up earlier. She has 351 million followers on Instagram and there are 332 million people in the U.S. So her following is larger than the U.S. population. Oh, my God. (laughs) Casual. I love a record. Very casual. All right. Well, with that casual bio um what's her let's get into her astrology in her life so selena has a lot of things that have happened through to her throughout her life a lot of them overlap so just to hopefully simplify things um we're going to separate this episode into buckets so it'll be like her early life her fame her relationships her illness and her advocacy because again like a lot of things overlap so we'd just be jumping around 
So, Selena was born in Texas to Ricardo Joel Gomez and Mandy Teefy. She's a third-generation American-Mexican and was actually named after the famous Selena. Um, we're obsessed I did not with her. know that. Yes, we have an episode about Selena. She is one of our faves. Um, so, definitely listen to it. We'll show it in the show notes. She was born when her mom was just 16 years old. So, when she was five, her parents divorced, and she just stayed with her mom. And obviously, like you know, 21 is like a very young age to have a child and try and make everything work out. So it definitely wasn't easy. Her mom had to work several jobs to make ends meet. So her grandparents would often take care of her. So let's learn about Selena's big three. Okay. Selena Gomez was born on July 22nd, 1992 at 719 AM in Grand Prairie, Texas. And she has a cancer son in Aries moon and a Leo rising. Um, Okay. So Selena's cancer son is nurturing, vulnerable, Withdrawn when threatened because of this vulnerability, super protective of her loved ones, very homey, like she likes to cook. She even has a cooking show on HBO and just ultra caring. Yes. The sun plays a large part in our personalities and self-expression. It's who we are and who we want to be. It's who we already are. Um, Selena's cancer son is in her 12th house of self-sacrifice and self-undoing, hidden enemies, behind the scenes work and solitude and self-reflection. And so Selena's contemplative and can struggle with her own self-image. She has a Leo rising, so she's ruled by the sun. Like, her sun is her chart ruler. And so when a person's chart ruler is in their 12th house, they might uh, need alone time to recharge often and can maybe be their own worst enemy or harshest critic at times and maybe struggle with depression. Uh, Her cancer sun is ruled by her Aries moon and Aries moons are go-getters. This is Rihanna moon. Yeah, it's the moon sign of Rihanna. Um, Selena's moon is in Aries. It like underscores her cancer sun's need to, they both need like a certain amount of alone time to recharge. Aries is a sign of the individual. The moon in the, or the sun in the 12th wants to recharge to like restore its vitality. Aries moons are fiercely independent and can get stifled or restless when they're not able to take action towards like their goals and dreams, which they always know what they are. The moon in the ninth house seeks comfort and solace by practicing religion or other forms of spirituality and traveling or learning about other cultures. Aries is ruled by Mars and Selena's Aries moon is ruled by her natal Mars in Taurus in her 10th house of career and reputation. And this indicates that Selena is self-directed in her work and finds comfort in working. Selena has a Leo rising conjunct Mercury, Venus, and Chiron in Leo in her first house. And Leo is a sign of the artist, and Leo risings are natural performers. So being an actor is an on-point career for a Leo rising, who are just known to be drama queens from time to time. Um, And the first house is the house of yourself. It's your body, your personality, and your self-expression. Any planets in the first house are important players in your chart, and the energy of those planets will be magnified in your personality and self-expression in general. Any thoughts on Selena's big three, Nadine? So many. Um, So I think the thing that stuck out to me the most is I think for this, my personal take as part of the rising sign, not completely, but I think the ascendant has so much to do with who we had to become to survive within our family of origin or within just the system or our architecture which we were grown up in. And I think a lot about how her mom was working. You know, she had her at 16. They divorced. She was technically a single mom. I think about how being a ham was a great survival mechanism. Like, look at me. Look at how, yeah. look how charismatic. Look at how charming I can be. Like, and then of course that ends up landing you on a Disney show because there's so much charm and charisma of which she's had to finesse that muscle. I would guess literally since the day that she could start using her hands and using her body language and eventually using her words. 
But then what's so interesting to me about it is that it almost feels like that charms a piece of herself undoing because that's, you know, Mercury conjunct Chiron conjunct Venus conjunct the Ascendant. There's this archetype of how being so charming and being so public and being so visible is a source of wounding for her because my guess is with her son in the 12th house, especially opposition Saturn, she might feel very misunderstood for being this bright and sunny and gorgeous character all the time when really her chart's screaming, I'm hurting, I'm not okay, I feel lonely sometimes, I'm struggling with mental health issues. And so I think what we'll get into later with Dana is like, I'm so happy that her journey has led her into realizing she can be a vocal in public person for something like mental health. Because I would guess when she was younger, it was a huge source of pain that she was just this Disney star who's supposed to be happy all the time. Because that was likely the role that she had to play within her family is like the funny, happy, bright child who's like this beacon of light for everyone. Where does she get to be sad? And so, yeah. the, I mean, I have a million more thoughts, but I'll stop there. Do you guys have thoughts? No, I love yeah, that. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh my God. Nadine, did you post that thing about how your rising sign is not just your mask? You reposted it from another astrologer? Yes, Diana Rose. She's so fantastic. Yes, but I think I that's- loved what she said about yeah, that. that. That was, was such a like succinct, amazing way to put it. And I something I really had never like thought of before, honestly. The other thing that stuck out to me was the it almost exactness of Mercury opposition Saturn, so 17 degrees, 16 degrees, it feels to me that there's this feeling of almost like speaking into the void with that type of miscommunication between Saturn and Mercury and this feeling of people only hear me when I'm happy and they don't necessarily hear me when I'm in, you know, I, I'm an Aquarius myself. I think we're really the the opposite of the sun. We're, we're literally where the sun, you know, goes to, to set essentially. And so I just... <laughs> Where she gets to be her true descendant, the, the shadow side of herself, which is the part of her that's not okay, and also the part of her that doesn't want to be a court jester or, you know, dance monkey type of vibe. And, and then the last thing is that, that forms a T-square with her Pluto in the fourth house in Scorpio. And so I just think about the absence potentially of the father or maybe even just the mm. absence of parents in general, just having a mom who's working all the time, even though she clearly has a great relationship with her mom to this day and praises her moon and Aries for her resilience and all those things. But yeah, I just feel like, um, I feel like her greatest gifts are also the part that makes it so hard for people to see that she's suffering, which I would imagine is incredibly lonely, which is what a sun in cancer in the 12th house is. That's super lonely. And it's a 29 degree cancer sun. So the sun entered Leo like within 24 hours of her birth. So she, it's almost like, which I mean, the anoretic degree is 29 degrees. So that intensifies um, like the energy of that planet and that sign or the agenda because it's about to enter the next sign. So it's like, shit, got to get got to get everything out um, as fast as I can. But like, it's almost like she that feeling of like, oh, I almost made it. But like, I didn't. And you just have that sort of vibe in her like you know, in her body, probably like the body keeps the score type shit. Something too, that I think is so interesting about her Chiron, because I, we're going to get into this later, but about her documentary, like one of the things she says in the teaser for it, or like the trailer is like, I just like, don't feel good enough. And to me, that's so like Chiron and Leo, but then also like, cause you know, when we hear Chiron, it's like, okay, this is like your greatest wound, but if you overcome it, you could become the greatest teacher. And I feel like for her, even though she's like 30 years old, she's kind of already done that. Cause she's taken this thing that like hurts her, but like been so open about it that she's like teaching other people like, oh, just in case you have like mental illness or like, you don't know what's happening. Like 
it's okay. And like, this is like something you could still feel you're, you're still yourself. You're still like fine and perfect, like no matter what's happening. So to me, I was like, oh, my God, Selena. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a lot of notes on her first house and the placements in it. Like Mercury and Leo in the first house is like enthusiastic and curious and maybe can enjoy the sound of their own voice, which, you know, makes them good performers. Um, and Mercury's in its joy in the first house. So it's like it's its favorite house for Mercury to be in. And so it's a Mercury's a planet of connection and communication in the first house. It enables people to connect with the world around them. But Mercury stationed retrograde two days before Selena was born. So this further intensifies the importance of Mercury in her chart and like how it impacts her personality and life experience in general. Uh, Mercury retrograde people internalize information and people like they can be more sensitive than they let on. So Mercury retrograde in Leo, it's the sign of the self. Selena might like internalize information about herself that can impact her self image and just sort of engender negative beliefs and um, about who she is and that may or may not be true um, and her natal Mercury again is like ruled by the sun and cancer which is in her 12th house and then Venus in her first house makes her attractive and magnetic and like personally and otherwise but Venus is the planet of love beauty money and like willing things to us and so Venus rules her midheaven in Taurus which also means that her appearance and beauty is like a factor of her work and career which can and just in general uh, is already a thing for women and in, in, like public spaces but probably puts like added pressure on her um but yeah this venus and leo will make her like especially artistic and creative and then chiron in her first house can show wounding and just like that raw vulnerability um especially ruled by 29 degree sun and cancer which is like very vulnerable um and yeah chiron's like the comet that represents the primordial wound and shows where we may experience mental health issues or disconnection from our communities and chiron and leo like can feel deep shame about who they are um, and like, or like who and what they love. And this is in her first house and it's ruled by again, cancer in the 12th house. So she's just like very sensitive. Um, But like Sarah said, the trick to Chiron is that you heal yourself by helping others. So it makes sense that she's an advocate for mental health, which we'll get into later. For sure. It literally feels like Chiron conjunct the ascendant is like she's the archetype of yeah. the wounded healer. Like, oh my god, wow. yes. And it, she's also really vocal, which I so appreciate about her weight fluctuations and you know going through, through the insecurities that go along with that. Again, a lot of pressure on women to remain a certain size throughout the rest of their life. And I think a lot about Chiron in the first house, at least with a lot of my clients, body dysmorphia is super, super common because the first house does rule so much of our physical being, but also our perception of our physical being because the ascendant has so much to do with how we operate in our sense of identity. And so I could imagine that there's just so much pressure to be what you're describing of her, you know, Venus ruled 10th house of like, but my entire career is about my appearance. And and now she's at this place of realizing it's not. I think I'm like a lot more of a complex person than just that. I love that. Let's go back to Selena's mom because I think she played a big role in her life. And honestly, that's how she kind of got into the career she did because Selena's mom worked in stage production. So Selena would go on set with her mom and then she got interested in being an actor. She auditioned for Barney and she got the role. And that's actually where she met Demi Lovato, who became one of her really good friends. And Selena did about 13 episodes of Barney until she aged out of the role. So after Barney, which I realized from my friend from Texas, I guess like Texans are like down for Barney because it was filmed in Texas. So people are like, 
Barney is from Texas. Okay, you can have him. You can have him and Greg Abbott. (laughs) But um, she had some small appearances on like other network shows. But, you know, she started getting into the Disney crowd. She got a role on Hannah Montana. And then she auditioned for a series called Wizards of Waverly Place. And she got that role. She played Alex Russo, which was like a huge deal because Wizards became like a very popular show for Disney. And this helped launch her career. It was like her true breakthrough role. Um, And then she was like down with Disney. So what was going on when Wizards of Waverly Place premiered? Okay, Wizards of Waverly Place premiered on October 12th, 2007 at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And what's wild to me is that this is the exact day that Selena's progressed Mercury retrograde in Leo conjoined her natal ascendant. So this is significant and indicates a time where she's pursuing interests and talents. Um, And also because Mercury rules her second house of income and her 11th house of audience. So when her progressed Mercury crossed her ascendant, um, which is herself and her chart, it literally boosted her to fame and like spurred her earning power and garnered her an audience, which again is she is like the largest audience in the world, arguably. And I've talked before in the episode about another Texas person, Alex Jones, about how needle retrograde cycles can be keys for prediction and timing. And the show premiered one day after Mercury stationed retrograde in Scorpio, um, which was Selena's perfected house at the time. And Selena was born two days after Mercury stationed retrograde. So the show premiere like mirrored her natal Mercury retrograde cycle within one day. And just to make things extra significant, the moon crossed uh, Mercury retrograde literally at 830 on the dot when the show premiered. And the moon is what brings it's like what manifests astrology into like literal life. Holy shit. Wild. First of all, I just want to say I was blown away by your observations because I think it's so fun talking to other astrologers because you look at things that I don't look at in a good way. Like it makes me kind of like. Yeah, it's so interesting. So anyways, I just want to say that. I think my only additional thought when I looked at this chart was Uranus opposition Jupiter in her second and eighth house. I think a little bit what I was thinking is like, I bet that contract was signed maybe max a year prior. And I think about the financial windfall of Uranus opposition Jupiter because Jupiter is about abundance and it's about lots of things. And Uranus is about unexpected, you know, kind of colossal life-changing events. But then I think also about potentially, when I think about the eighth house, at least personally, I think about the complications of shared money and like shared resources and contracts and the way in which, you know, we're kind of now kind of in golden handcuffs. It doesn't have to be a negative thing, but I'm assuming she sold away a lot of her time and, you know, many years worth of this contract. So long story short, I just think about how probably epic it was financially. And then also what a crazy windfall to be going through at such a young age. And I would imagine with Pisces and Virgo being at play here, I just think about, you know, who was controlling that? Was there any thought behind that, et cetera, et cetera, with Pisces ruling her eighth house? So Long story short, I just thought about financial windfall. That's such a good point, too, because Venus was crossing Saturn in Virgo in her second house when the show premiered. And Venus's money, Saturn is like commitments. So plus, it's crazy what you said about golden handcuffs, because I was reading so many um, articles about her researching this. And one thing she did say about Disney was like she like didn't really know what she was getting into. I think it was like basically what you said, like she signed the contract, but then it was like She was kind of like locked in for anything they wanted her to do. And she was like working all the time and she was like little still. Which is so Piscean, by the way. It's like you can only see so far. You know, you're signing. 
think you understand it, but it's like, can you really understand it? Well, uh, yeah, it sounds super hard. And she had Neptune was transiting Aquarius in her seventh house of contracts and Neptune just makes things so confusing. So there you go. To make matters even more complicated for Selena, but also good. She wanted to be a singer. So at 16, she signed a record deal with Hollywood Records, which had already signed both her fellow Disney stars, Miley Cyrus and Demi Lovato. And then around this time, Selena formed her own production company called July Moon Productions. Wow. Which is okay. a little astronaut there. Yes, seriously. And then Selena started a band called Selena Gomez and the Scene, and they released a few albums together before she eventually went solo. And since she's been solo, we all know she's been releasing just like straight bangers like a few years ago. Come and get it. Hands to myself. Good for you, which oh I God. honestly love. Same. So the remix much. with ASAP Rocky is so good. Yes. So good. Um, the Heart Wants What It Wants, which is like a little Justin Bieber moment. And then Lose You to Love Me, which honestly, if you haven't cried to that song, like, are you living? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> she has like so many views on all of these, uh, the videos for her songs. We've talked about how many streams she has. Is there anything in her chart that would show like she would be good at singing? Because I do really like her voice. Um, so anything with singing, anything about being famous. I think we touched on her midheaven already. Yeah, but. I'm sure Nadine and me could do like a treatise on this. But um, what's interesting to me is that Selena's mom worked in stage production, Um because her natal moon, which represents the mother in her chart, is in her ninth house, which is the house before the 10th house, of course, which is the house of Korean fame. And so the ninth house is the 12th house of the 10th house. And the 12th house relates to behind the scenes work. So that's just a, like a thing that I thought was interesting. And her mom also probably like got her leg in the door. Selena Gomez also has Mercury retrograde Venus and Chiron conjunct the ascendant in Leo ruled by her natal sun in Cancer in the 12th, which I just went on about. Um, and so this is like she's sensitive to her own needs and the needs of others. She's vulnerable. She's like able to bring this vulnerability and likability to her work on screen. And it's like authentic. And so the sensitivity just like makes her work behind the scenes and like it brings it to the forefront. And like so she is who she is. But her midheaven in Taurus is ruled by Venus and Leo in her first house. So the midheaven is our career and our reputation, what we're known for and like what we might become famous for. Taurus is the sign of the voice and it's ruled by Venus and her natal Venus, of course, is conjunct her ascendant, which is herself and her like personality. So it's just like she is a voice, you know, literally, figuratively beautifully all things. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think that uh, zero degrees Midheaven and Taurus is interesting too, just around the purity of that sign of like the throat, the throat chakra, like you're saying, Taurus rules the voice. I mean, but what I think is really interesting about her is she's gotten a ton of criticism for not having a very good voice. So ironically, she's actually not praised for being a great singer. And so it makes me think a little bit about, again, that interaction between Mercury opposition, Saturn, even the T-square to, to Pluto of just, I think that there is uh, feelings of not feeling heard or insecurity. And I was thinking, I, I watched her performance at some Grammy thing that was when Lose You to Love Me came out. So it was like this big moment for her. And I, everyone was like, she did terribly. Her voice sounded so bad. I was like, I think she sounded really nervous. Like she sounded like someone to me whose voice was shaking, not someone who's inherently a bad singer. And so again, I think about, I just feel this insecurity around having your voice heard, despite the fact that she's such a naturally public, charismatic, very artistic person. So I, I just 
yeah, long story short is I think she's a beautiful voice, but maybe in some ways is insecure of, of her own voice at the same time. Yeah. But what you said, Dana, about her, like the vulnerability is like, I think that's why she's so likable and she always brings that to like everything she does, whether it's like something she wants to or, or not necessarily, but it's basically like she's becoming famous for being vulnerable. Like at the end of the, you know, it's like what a lot of her documentary is going to be about, um, what a lot of her music is about. But, um, and speaking of what her music is about, like we said, Selena was doing very well on her own, but her fame really catapulted when she started dating the one, the only Justin Bieber. They were referred to by friends as Jelena, and they were pretty much like the pop music it couple of the 2010s. Truly, like what a wild ride. I didn't realize how long they dated, honestly. And I was like, wow, that was like such a long time, especially when you start dating like young. So they started dating in 2010 um, and they went public with their relationship at the Vanity Fair Oscar party in 2011. And this would start an eight-year on-again, off-again relationship that always had the media and fans just, like, speculating, trying to figure out what was going on. So what is their bi-wheel? Because I must know. Forgot it was that long. It was so long. So Justin was born on March 1st, 1994 at 12.56 a.m. in London, Ontario, Canada. And we have more notes about him in our Hillsong episode if you want to go listen to that uh yes um but selena has major planets conjunct uh both justin's descendant which is the point of romantic partners and his midheaven which is the point of career and fame so it makes sense that she was the partner who was like with him on his like i mean like she boosted his already immense fame they kind of boosted each other's fame but she was with him on the way up um and he was already like very famous And both of them have Mars, uh, the planet of sexual attraction, as well as fighting in the same sign as each other's descendant, which is once again the place of the partner. And so Selena's Mars and Taurus is conjunct Justin's descendant and south node, which can indicate just a point of comfortability with each other. And Justin's Mars in Aquarius is co-present with Selena's descendant in Aquarius. So Selena's Jupiter in Virgo is conjunct Justin's Midheaven. Um, Jupiter is debilitated in Virgo. It can be like nitpicky here. Uh, But Jupiter is still the planet of goodwill and integration and expansion. And the Midheaven, once again, is Justin's fame and career point. So this sort of boosts him like to the forefront of, you know, maybe tabloids. I can't even remember what he was like in tabloids before because he was like 15 and they got they started dating when he was 16. So but Justin's ascendant is in Selena's fourth house and it's co-present with her Scorpio IC. And the ascendant is Justin and like who he is in his chart. And the IC is the root of a chart or who like we are when we're alone with ourselves. Um, it relates to like our literal and figurative home. And in Scorpio, these areas can be secretive and struggle to feel accepted by their peers. And their peers are also everyone in the world. Uh, so when these two points are co-present in Scorpio um, in Sinistry, it can like make a relationship feel like home and like we understand each other more than, you know, other people understand us. They also have significant oppositions and oppositions are aspects of relationship. The first house um, is the house of the self opposite the seventh house of the partner. So there you go. <laughs> in case you guys didn't know. Um, they indicate challenges and like can expand your awareness and can show just where opposites attract in Sinistry. So Justin's moon in Libra is opposite Selena's moon in Aries, and this can be challenging and indicate emotional disagreements. Um, Ultimately, they could learn to see how both sides like see things and make compromises. 
Selena's moon in Aries would likely be more strong-willed or forceful, and Justin's moon in Libra needs harmony and relationships to maintain homeostasis, so he would be more likely to give in. More likely to give in, but not necessarily to comply with with the uh, agreement. And it's also possible that Selena felt suffocated by this relationship at times with her moon in Aries needing independence. Justin's Mercury retrograde in Aquarius is opposite Selena's Mercury retrograde in Leo. So both of them have Mercury retrograde, which is going to make both of them internalize like conversations with others, maybe not always talk about it with each other. But when two partners have Mercury opposite uh, in opposite signs, it can indicate arguments and tension and communications. Maybe, again, they can sort of see how another side like computes information, but it can be tense. And Selena's Mars and Taurus squares Justin's Mars and Aquarius, which underscores sort of this tension and likelihood of fighting I just mentioned. But it can also show intense physical chemistry or attraction, um, especially, you know, sexual attraction. That's what Mars is. And it can indicate couples or individuals maybe who are in competition with one another. And they kind of are. I mean, I think the thing when I looked at this chart, all I thought was, and I'm sorry to be like crude, but I thought amazing sex, really <laughs> dysfunctional yeah. in every other aspect. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they're like teenagers, you know, like Dana's yeah. like trying to be, I feel like a little more diplomatic being like, maybe they could see the other side, but like their frontal lobes weren't even developed yet. Yeah. <laughs> And I think so much about um, particularly like how their Mars are squaring one another of like Mars and Taurus versus Mars and Aquarius. So like avoidance of the Mars and Aquarius and then the loyalty of Mars and Taurus. And I remember, sorry, I'm such a psycho Selena Gomez person, but I remember listening to an interview with her and Ryan Seacrest in back in when her and Justin were broken up, but before they reconciled and then the Haley Bieber thing happened. And she was like, I just love him no matter what. When he's happy, I'm happy. When he's sad, I'm sad. And they weren't even technically dating at the time. And I just think about how her Mars is kind of like, I'm here, I'm loyal, I'm whatever. Mm. And it's attracted to the almost unavailability of the Mars and Aquarius thing. So again, they think they're what attracts them to each other is also what repels each other. Like, Mars square is is very alluring, especially Mars on the descendant, so hypnotizing. And then you end up meeting the person at the end of the day because you're like, you suck so and neither of them apparently suck at all, but there's some, some dynamic and what Dana was pointing out of competition and, you know, the ways in which they likely weren't very supportive of each other, even if they were trying their absolute best to be supportive of one another. And then my other thought because I can't help but do this, is um, all of uh, Justin's Scorpio planets on on her IC and conjunct Pluto, I just think about Lose You to Love Me, to me, isn't about Justin. I think it's about the psychology of some type of parental figure for her because this feels so much more related. He represents potentially trauma for her. And many of us are so attracted to people who are absolutely not good for us, but we have to explore mm. it. We have to figure out what the trauma is. Like a lot about trauma recovery is we just want to go and touch the thing and figure out, can we do it better this time? <laughs> right. And then you realize you can't because you're just replaying your trauma over and over again. So long story short, I think Lose You Love Me is layered. I think it's probably experiences that Selena Gomez has had with people that she's loved for her entire life, not just with Justin Bieber. So that those are the, my hot take on. Plus, I just feel like the Ascendant on the IC in Scorpio is so just like 
the most like to me like goth teenage love like it's like so (laughs) Edgar Allan Poe like we're obsessed with each other but it's like not good and like stuff like that very Romeo and Juliet situation the couple seemed perfect and like we said they probably had a banging sex life for teenagers they loved PDA There was a lot of drama happening. Uh, At one point, Justin was accused of fathering a child with a fan. Later, that was determined that didn't happen through a paternity test. But, you know, still lots of drama around there. Yeah. So there are obviously like a ton of trust issues. Plus, you know, the couple, they were each kind of doing their own thing. They had busy schedules, so they were apart. And because of that, there was gossip that, you know, Justin had issues with cheating So they broke up after dating for two years in November 2012. But it wasn't over yet. Um, The couple was on and off again until 2014. Selena released her single, The Heart Wants What It Wants, which she revealed was about Justin. And during this time, you know, they were each dating other people. Justin dated Haley Baldwin for a hot sec. Selena dated Zed. Um, she also dated The Weeknd, which I forgot about. I forgot yeah. about that. But then, um, you know, Jelena got back together and Carl Lentz of Hillsong Church, who we all know and hate, um, actually gave them relationship advice before they broke up for good in 2018. Um, and also, you know, we've mentioned good old Carl. We did an episode about him. We'll link to it in the show notes. So um, what was happening when it was like for real, for real over between Justin and Selena? Okay, the official breakup occurred in March of 2018. And this year, the eclipses were occurring in Leo and Aquarius, which is Selena's first and seventh houses and Justin's fourth and tenth houses. Um, and eclipses in the first and seventh are major endings and beginnings in relationships. And the North node was in Selena's first house of self with the South node, uh, or what's getting phased out in her seventh house of relationships. Eclipses in the fourth and 10th are major endings and beginnings in like home life situations and career and reputation and public status. So Justin, you know, people liked him probably more when he was with Selena again, the eclipses. So on January 31st of 2018, there was a total lunar eclipse conjunct the North node in Leo conjunct Selena's ascendant. Mercury, Venus, and Chiron. And so, again, the ascendance herself, her personality. Mercury is how she understands the world. Venus is love and relationships. Chiron is opening up that, you know, primordial wound. And so with all these placements eclipsed, it indicates like just, you know, painful breakups and maybe ones with surprises attached, which just this one ended up having a major surprise a few months after just to keep you guys in suspense uh the eclipse was also opposite venus which was exactly conjunct her natal saturn which is a planet of endings in her seventh house um on february 15th there was a south node solar eclipse in aquarius conjunct mercury in selena's seventh house so whatever house the south node is transiting in your chart can show what's being phased out of your life um and that's activated by eclipses And this eclipse was conjunct Justin's Mars and Mercury, and Mars being the planet of fighting and fucking and severing ties. And Mercury is how we comprehend our world and um, how we communicate with others. And in Justin's fourth house, it's like a major ending in his home life. This house also kind of relates to major endings and beginnings as it is. Intense for both of them. Like, it just feels like awareness, awakenings for both of them. And I I feel like... To give them both credit, I would guess it was painful, but also a very, very thoughtful decision on both people's ends. That's why I was surprised. I was surprised that it felt like Justin's was activated because I'm such a Selena Gomez fan. I always can't help but feel like she, you know, he didn't care or whatever. But I'm like, with that second one that you pulled up, that partial eclipse, it just made me feel like, well, he was 
he was processing his descendant as well, which I'm happy to see. Or not his descendant, sorry, his Mars and his Mercury. Uh, which rules his ascendant, so it rules like that, act, like a major part of him in his seventh house. I know we should talk on Pisces men a lot on the show, but we know that they have some feelings really, really deep down. Justin then started dating Haley Baldwin again in 2018, in June of 2018. They got engaged one month later in July, and then they were married that September, which I did not realize the timeline was this bananas, because when they married again in their like official religious ceremony, that was the next year, September 30th, 2019. So I don't know, for some reason, I just didn't realize it was such like a whirlwind, even though, like we mentioned, they dated for a hot second a few years back. Um, but from here, this is like where the story of Justin and Selena's relationship ends, but it was really something that fans could not let go of. Yes. Like due to the timeline, a lot of, um, Jelena fans were really angry at Haley because they said she stole Justin away from Selena and they went on social media to harass Haley and that harassment continues to this day so they fuck with her in her comments all day and night and they are going strong um but there were a lot of rumors swirling that Haley was always obsessed with selena um jelena fans would stalk Haley's social media accounts pointing out that pointing out all the likes that Haley made on her accounts which seemed to be the she always would like things that would like diss selena and her friends like taylor swift yeah and i'm still mad about that so (laughs) Haley actually went on Call Her Daddy to address the rumored feud, um, which Haley denied existed. But honestly, all the Jelena fans um, in their pack, they were not impressed a lot for a lot of reasons. But one of the big things was like nobody mentioned Selena's name. Like they just would be like Justin's ex. And it's like literally just say her name. We all know who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. That's That's so so awkward. But uh, Selena and Haley got the last laugh because they recently appeared together in a photo at the Academy Museum Gala, which was taken on October 15th. And this photo sent all of Haley and Jelena fans into a meltdown of like what it could all mean. So what's the deal? Do we think they like each other or not? I mean, it means it was a photo op and it to you know and selena's amenable because she probably doesn't care I know. what does it mean though <laughs> what does it mean i know whose side of this i'm yes. on and <laughs> i need to know what it means i got really weird vibes from Haley for such a long time that i eventually had to go on reddit and be like am i just like do i have like a am i a creep or what and then it said that she <laughs> she's not very polite to like workers <laughs> and i was like oh okay dana has sent us like twitter threads like a breakdown like to Hundreds of tweets breaking down like all of Haley's like Twitter movements in the past like four years and what she's liked and disliked. <laughs> but like, let's let's not forget she's a Baldwin. She didn't like grow up with the best manners around her. But I am still mad at her for the like brown lip liner thing that she's doing and um, kind of stealing that away from black women and making it her like signature lip trend. So that's my current gripe with her. Okay, so Haley Baldwin was born on November 22nd, 1996 at 8.15 a.m. in Tucson, Arizona, weirdly enough. She has a Sagittarius sun and rising uh, and her moons in Aries. And this is not a boring big three. Um, Whoa, she has the same moon as Selena? Yes, her moon is conjunct Selena's no, moon. I did not 
think that. So it's interesting to me that Justin's two most significant relationships are with women whose moons are opposite his own. He just loves that struggle, I guess. But as far as Haley and Selena go, having their moons in the same sign indicates that they share similarities in how they process emotion. And this can often be like harmonious and beneficial in relationships where a lot of emotional processing is required or like friendships, you know, romantic relationships. But Aries is one of the most competitive signs of the Zodiac. So it's not surprising that they are at least media rivals, whether or not it's manufactured by the press. Uh, It seems like Haley considers her a rival in some capacity based on the evidence. Um, Haley's Mars is in Virgo, exactly conjunct Selena's Jupiter, and Virgo is a sign of precision. Mars is the planet of competition. Jupiter is a planet of expansion. In Virgo, Mars is diligent and strives for perfection. Like Mars in Virgo is maybe, maybe the most exacting of Mars placements. And Jupiter and Virgo can magnify Haley's inherent competitiveness and amplify her insecurities, but maybe it can also make them party at a gala together. Uh, and then also something interesting is that Haley's Uranus is in Aquarius and Selena's seventh house of relationships and open enemies. So she and Uranus being the planet of shock and surprise, she sort of you know, really shook shit up. Yeah, fascinating. I'm so surprised they have the same moon. I, I, I think I pulled Haley's chart up a few years ago. I thought she had a moon in Taurus. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But this does not make sense to me. But it's besides the point. Um, one of the things I was thinking about is... Um, the Selena as well as Haley's, but Selena's moon opposition, Haley's Venus and Chiron and Libra. And I think like my take on Haley sometimes is I just get people pleasing in a slightly insincere vibe sometimes of just wanting to be nice all the time and life's not always nice all the time. Um, and then I couldn't help but I know I'm not understanding the assignment. I wanted to look at Haley and um, and Justin's charts. And I will say, yes, she has the same moon as Selena, but she also has Chiron and Venus conjunct his moon and so in Libra. And so I just feel like she has maybe the softer hand that Justin was needing or looking for and maybe the capacity to be maybe more... Uh, compromising and diplomatic than perhaps the relationship with Selena could have been. So yeah, long story short, is like, I just feel like there's such a fierceness to clearly both of them, but it almost is like Haley's chart cloaks her fierceness with the Venus and the Chiron and Libra of like, we must be nice. We cannot reveal how powerful we actually are. So I wonder if they could be crazy compatible if Haley was willing to be more forthright, to be a little bit more true to her moon in Aries. And so maybe when the eclipses happen as soon as March of 2023 maybe there'll be more for them to like open up to each other maybe we'll see that you also don't have they don't have to be friends no it it would be strange actually to be best friends with your ex uh your husband's ex i would say Haley seems like like the least vulnerable like person i don't know she's like she's trying i feel like to take a page from selena's book but it's just like every time she does it it like lacks sincerity like you were saying nadine just like i don't know Like we said, Dana got a weird vibe from her and turns out Dana was right. Well, to be fair, our births are like exactly six months apart. So her son's opposite my son and she has Pluto conjunct the sun, which probably makes her obsessed with Selena. It goes on and on. (laughs) Yeah, it is weird that they're both born on the 22nd. Yeah, that is true. I think there's more in common than I than I assumed, which I think is interesting. So Selena's life wasn't just filled with relationship drama. She was dealing with illness. So if we hop back in the timeline again a bit, back to 2014, 
This was a time when Selena was diagnosed with lupus, and she stepped away from the limelight to undergo chemotherapy. And lupus is a chronic disease that can cause inflammation and pain in your body. It's an autoimmune disease, which means that your immune system, which is obviously the part of your body that fights infections, attacks healthy tissue instead. So it, this is something that primarily affects women, and it can affect almost any organ. And so like because of this, the symptoms of the disease can widely vary from person to person. Um, and it's a really, it's a lifelong disease. Um, and probably because it's mostly affects women, it's probably understudied and underfunded. But um, it comes and it goes. So sometimes you'll have flare ups sometimes you'll feel better. Um, so it's just like a really hard disease to navigate. And it would, her lupus disease has really come to play a huge role in her life. So what was going on when she was diagnosed? Okay, Selena was diagnosed in 2014. And on July 22nd, 2013, Selena started a 10th house year of career and reputation. And she has Taurus on her 10th house and Taurus is ruled by Venus. So Venus is her time lord that year. Um, and her natal Venus is in her first house, which relates to your physical body and then, you know, physical health. On December 21st, 2013, Venus, uh, Selena's time lord, stationed retrograde in Capricorn in Selena's sixth house of physical health, opposite her natal sun, the planet of vitality. And on July 30 or on January 31st, 2014, Venus stationed direct conjunct Pluto, the planet of major and often uncomfortable transformations. I always say Pluto transits are like like when they're transiting um a house or like a natal placement especially it's sort of like you break a bone and then like you get the bone rebroken to like properly set it so you like hurt twice uh and then eventually you heal hopefully um and selena i mean selena's healed she has her natal uranus and neptune and capricorn in her sixth house and uranus is the planet of sudden changes and in the sixth house it can relate to sudden changes in health and neptune is a planet of illusion and obscurity neptune in the sixth can make physical illness go undetected or difficult to diagnose and when but when venus stationed retrograde the sun was conjunct her natal north node which would have maybe shined a light on this illness and made it easier to detect or diagnose um, and then when Venus stationed direct, the sun was conjunct her natal descendant, which relates to open enemies and her natal Saturn, which relates to difficult circumstances and also rules her sixth house of health. And so this means that she kind of had like a new battle to fight, but it was no longer in the shadows. On April 4th or April 15th of 2014, there was a lunar eclipse in Libra, exactly opposite her natal moon in Aries. And the moon, along with the ascendant, relates to our physical bodies. And the south node was crossing her natal moon in 2014, which can indicate physical and emotional exhaustion or debilitation in general. Ugh, it makes me tired even looking at it, honestly. Like, I mean, I think, love all you said, and I don't need to add too much to those specifics. I think, like, just what sticks out to me is what you pointed out, which is Pluto crossing over Uranus and Neptune and how that's just a sensitive part of her chart just fundamentally. I mean, for my clients, I cannot tell you because a lot of mine are millennials. So they're born around like they, they're born with Uranus and Neptune and Capricorn of them who have it in their sixth house. So all my Leo rising, I can't tell you how many of them have chronic invisible illnesses. And so I just think there's something so mysterious about having Neptune in the sixth house of physical health 
Um, and so, yeah. And then, but anyways, I, the transit seemed to be triggering this so intensely having Pluto on top of those two planets, opposition, Jupiter and cancer. It's really interesting. And then if she was a client of mine, let's say I had seen her that year, what I would have said is you're being really called to rest. I mean, having Jupiter in your 12th and cancer is go home to yourself and call it quits on your ambitions. But the Pluto in Capricorn, I feel like it's just the workhorse energy and the capitalism, the patriarchy, all the things that tell us like hustle culture, keep going, keep going. And so I just think about how the body is so intelligent and it says, well, if you're not going to stop, I will stop. And uh, so, yeah, long story short, it's like, it just feels heavy. It feels tiring, exhausting, even looking at it. No, that's well said. And also interesting because Saturn crossed her natal Pluto that year. So it's almost like activating that part of like Saturn's being like, nope, like you're stopping. So after the diagnosis, Selena really struggled with anxiety and depression, so much so that she had to cancel tour dates and even go to rehab to work on her mental health. She also would later undergo a kidney transplant. That's so intense. Um, and then several years after her initial diagnosis and after Justin's very, very sudden engagement to Haley, Selena returned to a treatment center. She was having trouble dealing with complications related to her kidney transplant. She was hospitalized for it, and it just made her extremely stressed. And she sort of, you know, had a breakdown just with, you know, being so tired of being tired, probably like so hard for her. Yeah, I think also, too, it's very stressful because I know with this hospitalization, like so much of it had to do with like her white blood cell count. So it was like, imagine just like trying to be healthy, probably doing all the things the doctors are telling you. And then your white blood cell count, which like basically shows like your immunity or whatever, like, because white blood cells are like what fight infection. So when it's down, like you're more susceptible to like getting sick, like it not working or like not improving. Regardless, Selena has been very outspoken and honest about her mental health. Honestly, I like teared up at quite a few of her interviews because it was just so like honest and like just sweet in a way. Like, I think it's like once again, going back to like vulnerability, like she really is very open about everything. And it's probably like not easy, but she's been in magazines like Vogue, Harper's Bazaar and the Wall Street Journal talking about her struggles with depression, her therapy and the medication she's on. And one of the first times she talked about her mental health was in Vogue. So what was going on when that issue was released? I agree with what you said. She's like very graceful when she talks. Um, The Vogue issue was released on March 16th, 2017. And at this time, the sun was in Pisces in Selena's eighth house of psychology inheritance, which includes epigenetics um, or genetic illness, uh, which can include depression and mental health issues and sharing. Um, and it was conjunct Chiron, the comet of primordial wounds, Neptune, the planet of mystery and often compassion and the South node, which relates to the past or like what is being phased out. And the sun is Pisces, uh, in her eighth house of therapy is especially significant because the sun was her time Lord since she was in a first house Leo year where she also has Venus, the planet of love, sharing Chiron, the planet of primordial wounds, um, and Mercury, the planet of communication. And so those in her perfected house would be major indicators of the themes for her year, um, especially with Selena's natal Mercury retrograde in Leo, which you can remember relates to like internalization and negative self-image. 
uh, her natal son, again, is in her 12th house of an enemy. So she's kind of like her own worst enemy at times. And all this is being made public for the first time. Um, when it was published, Venus was retrograde in Aries and Selene is the ninth house of publishing. So that makes perfect sense. It's also the house of broadcasting and idols. And Venus is the planet of love and sharing. And Aries, it's debilitated and can be sometimes self-conscious. But Aries is, or the ninth house is the house of idols. So it kind of made her an icon for mental health awareness. And it's also significant because this is a sign of her moon. Um, and so co-present with this Venus retrograde, it's like really bringing out these difficult feelings. And Venus is also the planet of grace in a lot of ways. So I feel like that shows how graceful or like, you know, reflects how graceful she was in articulating these like extremely difficult situations, especially for such a young woman at the time. And right before the article was published, there was a solar eclipse in Pisces in Selena's eighth house, uh, which, again, it was, the eclipse was with Neptune, Chiron, the South Node, and Mercury. So this maybe enabled her to speak on these issues more freely and articulate these difficult situations and sort of bring them out of, like, the hidden place of the eighth house into the light because it was a South Node eclipse. Yeah, that's exactly what struck me, too, was that eclipse of just... Um unearthing like the can of worms which is the eight or like unearthing pandora's box of the eighth house i imagine it would probably been so cathartic to be like i've haven't been able to communicate this or say this to everyone and i feel like when uh especially with neptune and chiron there's a ton of healing to be done here it feels like it's also um with neptune would being such a slow transiting planet of just like this is a collective issue and this is something where my experience is not so individual perhaps we're all connected in this way and pisces being really the most empathic of the signs and connected to all other 11 signs it just feels like that was so her moment. And all I thought when I looked at it was like, oh, God, that must have felt so good to get that off your chest with that solar eclipse and to be able to, I wonder if maybe she was interviewed for that publication around that solar eclipse. Um, so yeah, pretty beautiful. It is beautiful. So in 2020, Selena went on Miley Cyrus's show, Bright Minded, to talk about how she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And this is obviously a very oversimplification, but bipolar disorder is generally a mental health condition that causes extreme mood swings between emotional highs and extreme lows. But Selena said that being diagnosed was a huge relief for her because it just sort of explained so much. And she really wants to help normalize talking about mental health. So she launched a wellness platform with her mom and Newsette co-founder Daniela Pearson. And the online platform is called Wondermind. And its goal is to connect people with educational resources they could use and help end the stigma around mental illnesses. Yes. So up next for her, Selena has a documentary called My Mind and Me coming to Apple TV Plus in November. So I know everyone's really excited about this. I can't wait to watch. But basically, the doc is said to give fans an intimate look at Selena's ups and downs and follow the six years of her life following her announcement that she would step back from the public eye after her lupus diagnosis. So there's, you know, this is going to follow a pretty, a pretty long time. Um, so it should be really interesting. And a person who's been with her throughout those ups and downs is someone that I selfishly wedged into this script because I wanted to see it, and that's Taylor Swift. Taylor and Selena met when Selena was dating Nick and Taylor was dating Joe, and they just really hit it off, which I didn't know that's how they met, and I love that. So I have to know, as a deep Swifty, a newly um, baptized Selena fan, um, what is their sinistry like? Taylor was born on December 13th, 1989 in Reading, Pennsylvania, listed at 8.36 a.m. on Astro Theme. 
And Taylor's Sagittarius son is in Selena's fifth house of having fun, creativity, and individuation. I feel like Taylor likely understands Selena as an individual and enables her to cut loose and be herself, which is great for anyone and especially a Leo rising. Especially a Leo rising with a packed first house of pain. (laughs) Selena's son in Cancer is in Taylor's seventh house of significant one-on-one relationships. And Taylor's moon and Jupiter are both in Cancer. The moon's emotions and security. Jupiter is a planet of goodwill and jolliness. And both of these planets are like very dignified in Cancer, which means they just love to be in the sign. So this sort of underscores what I said about Taylor enabling Selena to be her best and also feel free. And Cancer is a sign of nurturing. Taylor's moon and Jupiter nurture Selena's sun which is herself and like extra important in her chart since it's her chart ruler. And Selena's son shines a light on Taylor's moon and Jupiter, making Taylor feel comforted and truly seen and appreciated, which I can only imagine is extremely difficult for one of the most famous people in the world, uh, along with another most famous person in the world. And Taylor's midheaven is tightly conjunct Selena's IC in Scorpio, and Selena's midheaven is tightly conjunct Taylor's IC in Taurus. So the Midheaven and Icy are in access, uh, and the Midheaven is who we are in public, how we act in accordance with the reputation we were taught to uphold. The Icy or the Imam Coli is who we are in private when no one's looking and like when we're at home alone with ourselves. And so when people have these flipped in sinistry, it often indicates two people who can make each other feel comforted in public and at home. So it's just sort of like this natural fit. Like we feel good together outside and inside. I'm a Swifty and I think it's called a selenator. That's what we're trying to figure out. I wasn't sure. Is that how you say it? Selenator, whatever. I am one. Um, Anyway, um, my only addition is I think it's so cool that – Taylor's moon, in theory, because I know her birth time is inaccurate, but moon is conjunct Selena's south node, and then uh, Taylor's south node is conjunct Selena's Mercury. I don't, this is like an imper, so I know astrologers disagree on this, but it just makes me think about being friends in past lives, and there might be <gasps> huge familiarity between them to have these personal planets conjunct the south node. And so, like, with, for example, Taylor's moon conjunct Selena's south node, I think about a nurturing relationship in a past life. Like, one of them was a mother to the other. So, there's this sense of like nurturing, nurturing, holding space around another. And then with the south node in Leo, it, it, I mean, conjunct uh, Mercury, I just think about. Uh, ability to talk like you've been friends forever, even though you've know, known each other for five minutes. So that's what jumped out to me. But I know karma in astrology is a personal preference. I work with that concept, but so that was my thought is maybe they were friends in past lives. That's awesome. I love past lives. If I don't do much of it like personally, but I love when other astrologers talk about it. Yeah. I think it's fun to think about, even though we'll never know. Yeah. And also do Taylor like said something I think in the Wall Street Journal article, she said something about how, like, from the moment they met, like, they just had, like, a sisterhood, like, a bond. And she's like, I don't even say that lightly. Like, we just were, like, insta-friends, kind of, and, like, which I love. We're going to get Selena's doc soon. We're going to get Taylor's album soon. Hopefully all the pieces will come together. Nadine, thank you so much for coming on today. This was so fun to have you. We love hearing your... You're, I can't honestly believe that you're only 29 because you just exude so much wisdom and maturity. And I say that and like, I hope you I hope you take that as like a compliment, not like you seem old, like as you seem like <laughs> not a 29 year old, which is is amazing. <laughs> any any like last things you want to wrap up? Like, where can people find you? Do you want people to find you on social media? Do you want people to buy your book? Like, where can they do that? Tell me everything. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, I'm on Instagram. That's the only thing I do at Nadine Jane underscore astrology. I also have a website though, nadinejaneastrology.com. I am coming out with a book. You can look it on my website. Um, and this was just the fucking funnest thing ever. This is such a good concept for a show. So thank, thank you. you. This was so much yeah. fun having thank you, you so on. Much. You're welcome back anytime. This was so great. Yes, definitely follow Nadine on Instagram and get her book. But next week, we'll be back with an all-new episode. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. And if you want to help support and grow the podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon. For only $5 a month, you get at least two extra episodes and other fun shit. And thank you to our newest patrons, Brandy, Brenna, Courtney, Amy, Ashley, and Abby. We love you. You could also leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and DM us a screenshot of that review, we'll make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it. And we have cool Allegedly Astrology merch for all signs on TeePublic, so go there and check it out. And make sure to follow us on social media. We are everywhere. You can find us, we promise. Beware our scammer, though. They are oddly deceptive. Lock and report our scammer. You know them because it's allegedly astrology and they're trolling us. Um, And we would never call you dear or beloved. Or harass you to give us money. You can visit our website at allegedlyastrology.com to learn more about us and the show. Book a reading with me, Dana, and check out our charts and transcripts from select episodes. And with that, I'm Elise. I'm Dana. And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology. Be a Nadine fan and a Selena fan. Selenator. 